when projects get tough, I just think back to that time where, you know, you're at university and anything was possible. Uh, and I still say this in meetings. I'm like, uh, if, a, if a project manager comes to me, I'm like, anything is possible. If you just put enough time, effort and determination in it, <laughs> it can be done. Because you've seen that with your own eyes. Yes, yeah. You've been there. Hey, I'm Jamie. Welcome back to another episode of The Jamie and You Show, where I shine light on the amazing things people are doing and through conversation, uncover unique insights that could inspire you or enable you to pursue your greatest ideas. Feel free to pause the conversation at any time while you're watching or listening and write down your favorite quotes, your favorite insights, and please share them with us. If you're watching this, please share them in the comment section below. And if you're listening or the comment section isn't for you, please tweet me at Jamie and you. Alistair, welcome, man. Thanks. Thanks. Great having you. Yeah, dude. It's so nice to have you. Uh, like, it's, yeah, so cool. Uh, Alistair and I are friends from a while ago and we haven't seen each other in so long. Uh, and we thought, what better way to catch up than to, to have a bit of a chat here. Uh, and yeah, I'm really excited for this one. Alistair, how do you go from being a teenager, being mesmerized by the app development world to then trying your hand at the entrepreneurship side of app development and now finding yourself actually deciding to focus on being a tech lead in an app development team. So that started a very long time ago, um, probably from age six, seven, you know, the hacker inside you just sort of pops up. Uh, That's taking, early, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, taking computers apart. Um, oh, okay. And I think it was 2007, 2008, um, when I was, I sort of saw the, uh, the Macs and I really wanted to build a Hackintosh uh, and try to do all the research, uh, failed many times during my school holidays. So for those who don't know, can you explain what a Hackintosh sure. is? Uh, it's pretty much a Mac built with non-Apple components. So, um, yeah, pretty much you take an, a normal HP Compaq um, and you will try and make it into a Mac running Mac OS. Right, so the goal is that you're trying to get that OS. <laughs> you're trying to get that OS. And you want to build something that can have it on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, initially, I'd say in, in 2008, I was really just looking to work on a Mac and become more familiar with it. And then uh, in 2010, I started uh, playing around uh, with uh, app development. So I was really interested in it. I was looking what I could do on Windows first. Uh, I think I did Delphi in school um, and trying to figure out what you could do there. Also, but a Java. Uh, and then I finally started creating a small Hackintosh with a laptop uh, and saw where that could go. Uh, coding in Lua. Uh, which was really yucky. Um, it didn't go that well, I'll admit that. Um, and yeah, then I sort of, as I got through to university, I really uh, nagged my parents. I said, hey guys, for a 21st gift, uh, an early 21st gift, could you possibly um, buy me a Mac Mini, uh, one of the lower end uh, Macs at the time, so I could get started with that uh and that's really where it sort of that's where it really took off so you ne you needed the mac mini because that would allow you to program certain languages yeah so um i was i was really keen to get into the ios side of things um and with ios you can only build on mac hardware uh and code and at that time in objective c right uh so i had taken a dabble at uh the whole android uh, side of things but it just wasn't for me and still to this day every now and then I have to go into an Android uh, repository and I'm like mm, do I know what's really going on in here <laughs> no it's very interesting so you, you've decided you prefer the iOS iPhone app side of things yes okay. definitely definitely uh, yeah and so I, I got into that it was still um, very niche um, side of things but was taking off in South Africa around 2011-2012 um, and spend some time on that. Uh, at that point, I just got into university 2012. Um, and I kept being fascinated by this thing called Vula that you, 
you could only access via like online and every time I had to access it, I had to log in. And I couldn't really understand that. That was the main thing. So Vula, um, for the context here, uh, at at UCT, it's the it's the student portal. It's where all your your notes and your lecturers share resources with you through that. I think you get your grades through it. Yeah. You book tutorials. It's the student portal essentially. Yeah. And it was only web based at the time. Yes, and very very poor web based um, sort of experience uh, right. on mobile especially. Uh, and I started looking very closely at how I could port that over to an app. Uh, lots of months of sort of playing around. I think there was someone else's uh, honors dissertation on it in information systems that okay. I read. Here's me and 19 year old trying to figure out this. Uh, what were they writing about? They were writing about, they were writing about making an app for oh, okay. uh, Fula. It was, yeah, <laughs> it was quite interesting. Uh, and they created a proof of concept as well. Um, so that gave me some sort of like ground to start on. Um, and then for the year, I really didn't uh, sort of started looking at things, but I didn't really uh, dive in. And in the holidays, um, a good friend of mine at the time uh, start, started sort of looking at the Android side of things. And we, we, solved a lot of the problems together, uh, which was really nice. Uh, and then 2013, I really got into it and dived in. And yeah, it, it took a long time. I mean, you ha I had this idea from January, February 2012, and the app only launched on the store on September 2013. Oh, wow. So a lot so, of, yeah, yeah uh, Objective-C was a very new thing for me. Uh, but it was, you know, you were young keep your head down um, and try try figure this out uh, what yeah. did you guys have in mind while you were while you were building it or trying to build it were you I mean you said so you were gonna put it on the app store yeah so did what did you have in mind did you wanted did you want everyone on campus to download this thing at the time it was really just we wanted to get it out there and just to see what the if it was solving the problem we were hoping it was solving and I think within two or three days, it had, I think in the first day, it had 400, 500 downloads uh, and it was number three on the app store. Wow. Uh, and it was really, it was crazy. I mean, the uplift and the, the need for it yeah. uh, was, was insane. Uh, and from that perspective, we realized that maybe we're onto something here. Um, and that sort of, it had really sort of created the snowball effect. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really great. Because I suppose anyone, anyone who saw their friend with, the, with Vula on their phone, <laughs> on an app, they're going to think, I want that. Why don't I have that yet? Uh, but also, I, I wanted to just mention, I don't, I don't know if everyone knew it was an independent team that did it. Or no. did people know? To this day, people still think that it was the university. That's so uh, wild. Which is quite an interesting one. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I mean, it it did it did mimic the uh, the web experience. I mean, yeah. purposefully, I'm sure, so that it would be seamless. You could just use it easily. So you guys were so good at making it seem like it was one experience that people didn't know it was separate people. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, and like. To this day, it's still very interesting to like get emails every now and then being like, hey, can you fix this? Or email, oh. emails forwarded from UCT asking to get stuff That's fixed. That's hilarious. Because um, people ask UCT. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it was an interesting, at that point in time, it was interesting sort of roller coaster at, that, at the beginning. Mm. Uh, and from there, it took off and we, we didn't really know what to do with it at the beginning. Uh, but it sort of morphed into uh, into what students daily drivers. We're doing about twenty thousand um, actives, I think, a, a month, which is pretty what? much. It That's was, huge. and there were twenty three thousand students at UCT. Whoa! So most most students were using the Android iOS app. Man, and you could probably put down those who do, don't have it as like maybe they didn't have a smartphone yeah <laughs> that's so wild 
uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was a great time. Uh, it was also in terms of app development uh, in South Africa, it was sort of the golden years. You know, mm. uh, lots of it was just really taking. Yeah, off. it was pretty fresh. Yeah, yeah, we caught on late, so <laughs> as usual. Uh, but yeah, it was it was great, and a lot of the learnings I have from sort of like keeping my head down in in currently now, like when projects get tough, I just think back to that time where you know you're at university and anything was possible, uh, mm. and I still say this in meetings. I'm like, uh, if a if a project manager comes to me, I'm like anything is possible if you just put enough time effort and determination in it <laughs> it can be done because you've seen that with your own eyes yes, yeah. you've been there why was why was there so much pressure in while, terms of while you were making that app uh, the vula app at the time in university it was just uh i think it was a lot of uh, i studied electrical and computer engineering uh and it was a very very hectic schedule uh and during that time finding those small gaps to sort of sit down and solve these problems that you've never seen before mm. um, and stack overflow isn't helping you uh, at one point in time i think uh my one friend just mentioned something in passing and i had been working on a problem for four weeks and they were like that's that's the answer and they weren't an ios developer they were just just a developer and they're yeah. like no you just need to do that i was like why didn't you tell me this five weeks ago? <laughs> yeah, I guess showing the importance of, of being able to collaborate and get other people's perspectives. Yeah, yeah. And I guess Stack Overflow has done a great job with that. Yes, I think. So like just yeah, for context, Stack Overflow is this, uh, it's, would you say it's a forum community space? Uh, yeah, I, I yeah. guess that's like a way to describe it, where people share their... Uh, uh, problems they're having coding uh programming problems they're having and then people respond and say oh this might be your answer this is probably how to fix it and then the person who posted the question says which one solved it and marks it as solved but then the whole community can also upvote and downvote everyone's answers and then you earn points by giving good answers and to the point where some people even but so the the way you'd earn points is by answering questions well, which would prove your knowledge as a as a developer, whatever it may be. And then, as a result, some people get hired; they get jobs based on their their score and ranking on Stack Overflow because it's a proxy for your ability. Pretty much, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think Stack Overflow has worked well to provide that those sounding board opportunities yeah. Uh, and I, yeah i wonder what other communities maybe have that or don't have that because it's so valuable yeah software development it's, it's it's crazy how people rally together uh, and, is, and collab yeah, co yeah. collaborate um from the open source movement to sort of just question and answer like stack overflow um it's yeah it feels yeah, it's less forum it's more just question and answer yeah, yeah they, you're not really having discussions on topics it's more yeah more question yeah. And answer. it's very interesting i mean the whole sort of uh compassionate side of software development that's sprung up probably in the last five years has been it's i think it bodes well for the future of software dev that's awesome um, yeah there is a lot of collaboration yeah yeah um, and I'll get into some of that uh, later on, but awesome. yeah, it was, uh, so we, in terms of, in terms of Vula, uh, we tried to take that to the next level. Um, and in 2014, we just sort of kept our, kept our heads down. We, uh, my friend Ty, uh, and I, we joined, uh, joined a, there was a startup competition happening in Cape Town. Uh, and we decided, Hey, now's a good time to just try it out uh and we won That's which huge. was which was crazy at the time we didn't expect to win uh and yeah we we came out and we won uh and we we had this backing from uh standard bank and sort of resources and it was very very interesting to see what what could come out of that uh, and at the time, I was studying electrical and computer engineering and decided uh, at the around about the end of 2014, maybe it's the best thing for me to focus on um, seeing if I can make this work in a full-time capacity. Uh, the the job, the career, the, the whole the, the whole sort of 
idea around e-learning in general oh, yes. on apps. Yes, okay. Um, and at the time I was also, so I was studying, I was working as a um, junior developer at Zando.co.za, the fashion company, and I was working on the app. So there was a lot going on and I just couldn't juggle it all. So I decided- Yeah, I, can, I can't imagine why you couldn't juggle all those things. <laughs> That's so intense. It, like any one of those things is hard to do full time. Pretty yeah. much, yeah. Uh, so I decided, hey, like, let me see if I can make a, a, a full-time thing out of uh, e-learning in the app space and education space. And I had the backing and the resources, so it seemed like a good uh, a good decision. Uh, and January, February started into that, um, which meant you were dropping out essentially. I was taking a leave of absence gotcha. at first. Um, let's just say I've never responded to that leave of absence letter ever. Wow! I assume I'm not enrolled at UCT anymore. Wow. I hope you check your Vila app. I should probably. <laughs> it still works. No way. Uh, um. And yeah, I, I, I took a leap of absence um, and I decided to do uh, Vula at the time, uh, full, full time. Uh, and it was, it was quite interesting. Uh, what I learned straight out the gates was that education and institutions are difficult. They're not easy things to crack. Uh, there's a lot of um, sort of people you need to talk to and it, it's, it's a lot of, yeah, it, it's a lot of lobbying um, right? and it's not very easy for someone to break into very quickly. Uh, and that was, was difficult for me. I found like when you're a student and coming off the, the back of this entire idea, that's cool. Like you can do anything, anything's possible. And then you are just met with such resistance and, and dead ends. Yeah, um, as, a, as yeah, I, I get what you're saying. As like a creative person who's trying to make a difference and you're trying to do something worth that you believe to be worthwhile and then you're just hitting brick walls, it's frustrating, man. Yeah. But that's that's the real world. Like, Pretty much, <laughs> The yeah. real world is has politics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and at the time, I actually didn't, I didn't know how to sometimes... Um, handle those like political situations where right. you ha did have to lobby someone or uh, say the right things to the right person at the right time to get that. So a lot of a lot of it was back and forth. And hey, do you want do you want to do this? Um, and at the time, Vula wasn't monetized, uh, and we were trying to figure out ways of monetization. And the most the, the way we wanted to monetize it was uh, via development via the universities. So either get one university or all the universities um, together that use the same um, e-learning systems to be able to monetize the platform. Uh, but yeah, like- So them essentially paying you to keep developing it. Yes, yeah. Uh, but sort of share that cost uh, across the multiple universities. Right. Uh, because the e-learning system that was being used was being used by UNISA, was being used by WITS, UCT, uh, the Free State. Uh, so it was lots of opportunity to get like good coverage uh, across South African universities and even international universities. Uh, so that, yeah, we, we, we explored that, um, but it was a tough time for, um, for the landscape, educational landscape in South Africa in higher education. Right. Uh, we had the um fees must fall uh, yes, protests at it was the time around that time yeah and that was that was difficult so so emailing someone and being like hey in your next budget do you mind would you be up for this uh people's budgets were being slashed yeah um, bad timing man yeah that's oh, yeah. just how it was the reality of it at the time yeah yeah but it's uh you learn from it which which is great yeah uh and we then started looking at uh, ads. So we started looking at advertising uh, and that was met by great sort of uh, open arms by the advertisers, but universities didn't feel comfortable mm. and they didn't feel comfortable because they felt that they owned their um, students' information 
and there was no consent given over if ever we wanted to at the time nothing ever came out of it uh to monetize that and to do targeted advertising uh based on sort of users preferences and which courses they were in and things like that right. um, and we never we never sort of explored that it was always our, oh, our plan b that's great data it is um with the knowledge with, that i have now yeah. uh and yeah the models that i could have created now it's amazing data wow uh, but you didn't have the permission that's the reality actually. yeah like, and even and if you, you want ha- to have it yeah even if you had the student's permission yes um and they were consenting and providing you that you would always have the issue of the university um and it would be a game of uh, cat and mouse mm. so uh we had a we had one issue um at fits once where uh it was more around they didn't want the app to be used at all because uh How come? just in terms they had uh they had something else in the works um never materialized but at the time they did uh and they felt that we were going to head into advertising because they declined our um proposal right um and so they shut down their api access right uh so we didn't want it to go that way for all the universities because at at the end we still wanted to provide a service to the students um and that was also a difficult thing. So uh, uh, providing, sort of keeping true to that the students are your customer and not even made it, making the, pay, the app paid wasn't really an option for us because it would cut off the students that need that the most. So it was a very difficult sort of uh, monet- strategies around monetization were quite yeah. difficult. Yeah, uh, I mean, it so- yeah, it sounds like from the start, you was you were always solving the problem for the students. Yeah, it was really about them the whole time. The monetization came later. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was really. Uh, it wasn't a get rich scheme. No, not at yeah, all. Yeah, it wasn't like oh, there are thousands of students who would use this app. Let's make it and monetize it. It wasn't that. No, it was. And we just really uh, myself doing it full time. I was like, I just need to pay the server costs and sort of put food on the table. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was it was difficult. Uh, and pretty much what then happened is i decided to after talking to all these um to these universities to sort of education providers um i decided to sort of take a step back uh from it the idea at that time was really just to take a step back and um let some time pass and hope that they'd be up for it a bit later uh, and I actually started development on a completely new app, um, hoping that it would sort of like I'd be able to release that a bit later. Um, but then, I, yeah, I slowly transitioned into uh, a technical role at an agency. And slowly but surely, I left that university sort of vibe plus the... Uh, plus my connections, plus be working on this product every day behind. And once that happened, I had sort of lost touch with the product per se. Right. Uh, but and you weren't at university anymore. Yeah. So you, you lose touch with your customers and your users. Um, and slowly but surely, I sort of, uh, the app still ran. It was fine. Like I was happy to fix any bugs. But yeah, it, it sort of just, I moved on. Uh, but I didn't completely move on. It was still there. I was still keen on the idea. Uh, and yeah, it, it, it took an interesting twist. Uh, so I, I, I moved into a technical uh, agency, um, development agency, first as a, uh, just an engineer, an iOS engineer. Uh, and that was interesting because uh, it was something I enjoyed development. Uh, I wasn't working just on one product now. Um, I, and also with the whole e-learning system, I was uh, beholden to the uh, APIs and the back end that were provided from the e-learning system. Whereas here, it was sort of greenfield stuff every three months because you're building an app every three months right. uh, at an agency. Uh, and that was, at the beginning, it was, it was fun. You mean, so you weren't as constrained? You weren't as constrained, yeah. Awesome. 
Um, it was fun because you could you could tell developers what you needed on the back end and then um, get that built and then build the app. Uh, and I really enjoyed that. I learned a lot from that. Um, luckily, the company had offices in the Netherlands as well and a team there. So it really like opened my mind in terms of development. Uh, but through through good development, uh, I built a lot of good people skills. So dealing with clients a lot, uh, which I wish I had when I was working on the Vula stuff. Yeah. Because that was that was my weakness, uh, finding common grounds in meetings. Uh, and w- with an agency, you have to be polite and cordial and uh, sometimes speak your mind, but most of the time say anything is possible. Uh, but yeah, that was, yeah. that was fun. Uh, but, but through developing these people skills, I became more of a um, technical lead uh, at the company and right. spent a lot more time on, uh, on projects uh, and with, with clients. Uh, and then I sort of got over the the three month four month churn. Uh, app development in an agency is difficult because you don't see the product out the door. Sometimes, sometimes you you see it go out and it lands on the app store, but possibly marketing hasn't kicked in yet. Yeah. Um, and you sort of have this app with maybe ten, a hundred, a thousand users, uh, but it just doesn't feel like you're sort of the the sweat and blood you put into it uh it, yeah it's difficult to sort of fathom so sort of, i put so much work into it and now it's just sitting there mm. um so i sort and of you've done your job you've given them what they wanted which yeah. is this app but yeah and also you don't have as much control on its future as well pretty you much just put yeah. it out there and say have it there it is yeah and sometimes you you find flaws later down the line maybe you're 75 percent done with the project and you're like this doesn't work how i think it should work and you raise that with the client uh but too much money and time's been sunk in so you're gonna get that thing out uh so that was that was difficult uh sometimes i mean uh beginning of projects are always great because you're trying new things um and you're learning but yeah, I sort of decided that uh, I'd rather want to dive back deep into development. Uh, right. So when you were that, when you were doing the tech lead role in the agency, were you? Um, so you say now you wanted to move into more development, but when you were that tech lead, did you have to do scoping of what they wanted in the app? Did you have to do discussions about? Uh, really questioning the, the motivation behind why they're putting the app out, uh, playing more of a product role. Yes. Okay. So a lot of uh, technical scoping um, and trying to figure out what is possible, what's not possible, what they actually wanted to do um, from a technical perspective. Uh, and then look from that, trying to figure out what's reasonable within their budget. Right. Um, and then working with the team to get that out. So it was at that time, it was a team of three developers, two or three, um, and lots of code reviews, um, sitting with them and working with them. But a lot of my time usually wasn't spent possibly on the, the, on the actual development, sometimes a bit of scaffolding and setting up. And then I'd be between clients or doing maintenance on another project. Uh, yeah, so it was a lot of sort of not more meetings than development, uh, which I'm trying to cut down on. Right. Um, I think like meetings really eat away days. Um, and as companies get bigger um, or more work piles up, you can just, sometimes it's unavoidable. Yeah, it does It does seem to feel like that. Uh, but, but what's interesting is I think because you are personable, you've got a, you know, you've got a social um, element to you, you would gravitate towards those roles where you're talking to people, negotiating, scoping, planning, leading. Uh, and it's it's interesting how you would gravitate towards that and think, okay, I could go that way, but I want to go back to the development part. And I, that's always a, it's really tough because yeah. as you said, like as things are growing and momentum's building and meeting, they're going to need to be 
more meetings to plan stuff and just sort stuff out and okay cool that th- that group of people's working on this project that group's working on this how's that going how are we going to coordinate them do things need a change and if if you're going to be playing that role which is a necessary role you're not going to have time to be the the developer but I, and i guess i guess that's a uh, something you have to decide a career path decision essentially yes, is that how you started to feel uh, I did uh, at that point in time uh, I was like I really wanted to move into more of a development uh, side of things and luckily uh, I had met up with uh, Brad at Superblist a couple of times before that uh, and he reached out in 2017 and he asked if I'd be keen to come on board uh, as an iOS engineer at Superblist. Uh, and I was really keen. Uh, it had been a product I had admired for a long time uh, and sort of went by and it's what I enjoyed. So I decided to move over into more at that point in time, what I thought would be a, uh, a more sort of just engineering role. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it has been much more of an engineering role um, I joined in July 2017 uh, and that was it was really fun so seeing how uh, it's a growing platform it's a single product um, getting getting exposure at that that sort of level now you're hitting hundreds of thousands of users instead of 10 20 hundred users uh, that was amazing uh, it's it's been such a learning experience. At the time, I so I started off with iOS, um, and I moved a bit more into Python uh, with our uh, with our APIs, uh, and I slowly just started uh, moving my tentacles like further and further away from mobile, um, getting to know what was going on, uh, and that that's where sort of that whole approachable sort of um, like communicating and sort of like being working on your people skills I just started pushing myself further out from iOS um, looked at Android looked at our APIs uh, looked at our infrastructure and started getting involved there Um, did your role start to change luckily uh, at the beginning no so uh, it was very known that I just needed to be working on uh, on iOS Uh, but it it was was good to know how the rest of the pieces of the puzzle work. Uh, For sure. The worst is being helpless at three in the morning when you get an alert that something's broken, but then you have to wake up someone else to get that, to fix that. Fair point, Um, yeah. And yeah, it was, you'd feel like that during crunch times when everyone else has other work to do and you've just started and uh, you would sit down and something breaks and you're like, I have no idea what this is. Uh, and what it did is very early, I would just um, I would sort of pipe up in a channel on Slack and uh, say, hey, like, this is broken. Does someone mind sitting with me or can I sit with them and run through it and just ask them questions? Interesting. Uh, so you wanted the independence eventually. Yes, yes. I was working towards that. And I still am. Uh, and I, I, I sort of slowly worked towards that. Um, and Black Friday 2017 came. Uh, and dun, for- dun, dun. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so uh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people uh, watching or listening to this would know um, Superbalist, but for those who don't, Superbalist is it's e-commerce. It's buying, uh, it's fashion, uh, apartment stuff. Uh, so it's an online store. Yeah. So Black Friday is is the big one. Is the big one, yeah. Uh, and in yeah, 2017, uh, I was still a bit of a fly on the wall. Just uh, there was a big push. Uh, couple weeks before that to get uh, products out uh, but on the day so you're just sitting there you're a fly on the wall um, didn't know what was happening uh, people I, running around screaming <laughs> yeah dustbins on fire the usual uh, but it, it was a great experience to see sort of this team um, collaborate and come together uh, on a single product uh, and it, it's a high, so we call it season. Uh, it's a high season from uh, November till about January. Right. Uh, and it, it was it was great. Uh, and from that, I created a list of things that I wanted to do for 2018 Black Friday. Cool. Um, 
and just to keep myself in check because that's really what we're planning our entire year around. Uh, yeah, I guess it's actually nice to look at things like that. You, How are you planning for your most intense periods? And that should always be your goal. That's yeah. what we're aiming for every time. So you, as, and um, by making a list, what what's on that list? So on that list, uh, very, very specific to uh, usually data consumption. So uh, Android is our biggest growing platform. Uh, and for that, I really just wanted to move down our data consumption uh on the Android platform because that's your uh, lower target market uh, and really wanted a better experience uh, for them. So just to clarify on data consumption? Uh, in terms of in terms of how much data that they actually have to use to use the app. Gotcha. So okay. com- compressing stuff, uh, unnecessary requests to the server. Uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of uh, a lot of sort of just cleaning up when you've built a product for three years and it's changed hands between developers, uh, you sometimes find very strange things, um, very strange comments in code. Uh, The one interesting one I found recently was a comment saying, uh, everything comes from nothing, but (laughs) there was no code there, so (laughs) I wasn't too sure. Uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, I created that list, um, and I actually kind of like Jan, Feb, March. You forget about it uh, mm. because you know a, another project comes onto your onto your desk. Uh, and uh, at the time, I moved from sort of putting my tentacles out everywhere. I had been pulled onto our progressive web app, uh, so we built a new website uh, for Superblist. Uh, much snappier than our older one uh, and it also semi works offline which is great uh, single nice. page uh, what I really like this is a big deal with um, e-commerce when you on a, on a page of, of goods and you click next so you've, you've gone to the bottom of the page you click next you guys instantly it preloads the top of that and then the products start loading in but it makes it feel like it's instant the alternative is you click next and the whole page would go white and everything would start loading in. Uh, yeah. So big ups. Love it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the team sort of uh, the shopping experience team and the guys there worked wonders uh, on that. Uh, it's all those little things apps. that add up Yeah, to make it just feel slick and snappy. Yeah. And, and, and at the time they couldn't really see the light at the end of the tunnel, but uh it, it worked out, which was great. Uh, and I, I was working on that for a bit, but it wasn't really, I mean, going back to uh, going back to sort of what I was looking for was I was an iOS dev mm. uh, and it wasn't really uh, my cup of tea. So I decided I just uh, spoke to, to my boss, Brad, and I said, hey, like I'm keen to move on to some iOS stuff. Uh, and he's like, sure well you know we don't have anyone leading the team and we need to build out uh we need to hire more ios devs so would you like to step up as team lead because you're kind of doing that already um plus the mobile api and that's where the list came in right so um from about may june uh, i moved into a tech lead role at superblist uh which was really fun uh tech lead of ios and the mobile api uh, and yeah, that, that's been very interesting, and that uh, that really culminated in Black Friday. Uh, so getting back into that list, um, working with a team, uh, which was my sort of first time at that scale, working um, working with other members and having developers working with me, saying, "Hey guys, like we need to get this done." Mm. Uh, and yeah, you've got this date, the 23rd of November, and you've <laughs> got to, like, everything has to work on that day. Uh, and it was a lot of it was a lot of hustling. So with apps, you usually get things out very uh, very far in advance. So we're hoping to get you're hoping to get things out three weeks before the time. Okay. But then there's why a, is that? Uh, to get uptake. So okay. we usually don't want to force upgrade our users right. to a new app. We want it to be organic. Um, Does force upgrade, is that the thing that pops up and says you need to update before yes. you can use it again? Okay. Yeah. So we don't want to be doing that. Yeah, ideally uh, not. 
So usually we we don't want to do that, and we uh, so we try to get things out on a regular schedule. Mm. Um, we've done a lot of work around that in terms of continuous integration. Uh, and at, at an agency, you couldn't really do that. You couldn't really pull a client to be like, "Hey, we are adding tests to your project." Right. Uh, whereas when you're working on one single product, uh, tests are what save you from. A potential issue yeah um, and they um, allow you to release faster yeah so we are usually pushing every week and a half uh, but nice. we're confident about that uh, yeah and I pulled out that list again uh, about Black Friday 2017 looked at it uh, and there was quite a bit that we were able to that we were able to sort of get, get off we were doing so Black Friday rolled around uh, I think we did about 3,600 requests a second Whoa. Um, Whoa! To our services, that's a lot. Uh, yeah, it's it, it was it was a lot, and we 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 did all right. We did all right. I think <laughs> it's it's always there's always we something. We came through. The team did all right. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's always something that uh, there are snags in it. Yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, the one thing that I forgot to mention is that uh, Superbalist also merged with uh, Spree or Spree merged into Superbalist. Oh, yes. Uh, and that was a very interesting time. And that happened company. just before Black Friday. Yeah. So that was about wow. two months before Black Friday. Uh, wow, that integration must have been tough. It was. Because uh, you, uh, you guys did the the whole thing where all your orders from both platforms, you could still view both of them. Like you'd get the login got merged yeah wow yeah uh big up to the guys that worked on that uh yeah, luckily cool. yeah luckily from my perspective it was sort of just sunsetting the spree apps and making it a seamless transition over uh but a lot of work and the team was really uh pretty much knackered after i can uh, imagine after Black Friday. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's December time now. A lot of the team is uh, taking some time off. Uh, to, we've got some great projects, uh, some interesting projects coming up in 2019 um, that we hope people really enjoy. Uh, we uh, Going back to Vula and where I sort of, I left that um, behind, uh, but I wanted to get back into it in in yeah in 2016 2017 i was still keen on that um and in the middle of this year i realized that i'm probably not going to get back into this uh i had a lot of code that i had already built out i had learned a lot so i decided to build a software development kit or sdk with um sort of uh, all the networking on and components that i used to speak to the back end of um, of UCT and any other university, mm. uh, and I decided to open source that. So Whoa. I actually open sourced it, hoping that someone else will take up could continue the project. Could, could continue the project, and at the same time, so I, I also removed Vula had morphed into Universe, um, yes. just from like. Yeah, I think it, it morphed in when we wanted to move into other universities. Uh, and I sunsetted that that app. Uh, I know that uh, my friend Ty also sunsetted the one other app that he had built for iOS. Um, I think that the Vula app for Android still exists um, that he maintains. Uh, but yeah, it was sort of like, it was an end of an era. Uh, it felt like the universities still weren't weren't there in terms of supporting this and realizing that their students it's a day-to-day driver for their students yeah it's so important i mean that app so i remember using it it was super useful as all apps are yeah <laughs> i mean that is where we are we're on our phones all the time in between lectures we can jump on it check something yeah it it's such a big part of of the learning experience to be able to access that stuff quickly on your phone. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, you guys did such a good job that they, they really had something there for the, for the taking essentially. Yeah. And it's, it's, I've been a bit disappointed. Uh, hopefully someone else can step up to the plate. Uh, I've been a bit disappointed that no one's really stepped up and, and made something of this. I think that, yeah, uh, it's, 
in a better place the the field is in a playing fields in a better place than it was five years ago when we were looking at it uh what do you I, mean by that just in terms uh i hope that the university's at least a little has a little inkling oh, that it's okay. that it's sort of uh it's needed uh and also with the sun setting of it students then really realize what they're missing out to and that creates quite a gap in the market right so uh, i open sourced sort of the stuff that I had been doing, uh, but I'd really love it if a student were to uh, actually pick it up again. You know, yeah. someone at university. Uh, I Do think, you think there's an opportunity for an academy, the, the Vula App Academy, probably. and people work on it over time and learn yeah. learn through building on it. We actually, in 2014, I think we uh, approached the uh, computer science department ah. and we asked them, "Hey, would you would you want?" people to sort of like work on this uh if we put it out there and like bring on interns in a sense to work on that uh and i don't think they, they weren't up for it then i would hope that they'd be up for something now uh but yeah it's it's been interesting and i hope that i hope that it gets taken up again uh so yeah if you want to take a look uh if you go to uh github.com forward slash alihen a-L-I-H-E-N. Uh, and you look under my repos, there's a Sakai iOS uh, repo there. So if you are get keen in to get into app development, uh, take a look. Yeah, so, and so what that would give you access to is being able to hit the API of these university student portals. Yeah. Uh, and, which and is build and build an app for students to be able to log in and see their their resources. Yeah, uh, we found it, it, sort of the UI isn't the difficult thing. Uh, uh, okay, it's it's getting the information and it's a classic. Uh, what someone would say like a classic backend de developer. <laughs> <laughs> like, the UI is tough, man. <laughs> I lo I love building the UI, um, but the yeah, it was once you've cracked. Once you've cracked the, the back end, then you can build Anything's the, possible. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was very interesting. Uh, yeah, we, that, the, the networking sort of with these undocumented calls, trying to figure out how, how to build this uh, with API was the most difficult thing. So I thought, let me leave that as my mark, you know, give back to the community. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so I'm really hoping that someone takes takes that up uh, yeah i mean it's really like once you've given once you've given people that uh that's really the the key into that unlocks what you could do yeah um because now you know on top of that someone can set up another project which makes it even easier and then makes it even easier and then it could get to the point where people are now just being able to build the front end and experiment and try different things. It really, it can snowball from here. Is that, yeah. That's kind of what I'm I saying. I think it, it gives, it's unlimited opportunities. Uh, I have seen in, uh, in the U S I've seen some other campuses. Uh, some guys have installed, uh, a small little Wi-Fi um, raspberry Pis with a Wi-Fi module. And they'll put that in libraries like behind a plant or something. And it'll tell you based on how many Wi-Fi devices are in the area. It can tell you how busy the library is or not. Oh, that's amazing. And I mean, there are all these like ideas and you can do that in lecture theaters as well. Yes. Um, Every, and everyone's on there. Everyone's got devices. Even yeah. your phone that's connecting to, um, to stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's, there's so much there that's still available. And I'm just hoping that students like take sort of take those opportunities. Yeah. Um, but I think, uh, I think there's a lot of work to be done by the university in fostering that hacker mentality. I was also thinking that now. Yeah, there isn't really that mentality that's uh, encouraged, I guess. Yeah. Well, like, not to my knowledge, at least. Yeah, not to my knowledge. I've been keen to get more involved um, with that. But I do have a uh, people that know me very well know that I have the... I, overcommit myself uh, across <laughs> multiple things right so i've um i've just decided to sort of be more focused and if i can help out uh, i'd rather help out in a small but significant way yeah than sort of spread myself across yeah i uh, think yeah the best from from my perspective the best way would be trying to find another pioneer person who could run with it yeah and 
setting them off. So get them to run with it and you just consult and you help them get it going. Yeah. Because I, I suppose you get societies at universities. Uh, there's entrepreneurship society. There's, um, I think about UCT now, there's investments. There's all sorts of stuff. Uh, and I wonder if there's room for a society of people who are exploring this kind of, yeah, the, the thing about the thing about these ideas. So like you said, the, the Wi-Fi, um, the Wi-Fi devices tells you how busy the area is. These are all interesting ideas that maybe there are random students are having, but they aren't tech yeah. inclined. And then there may be tech inclined people who would love to be tinkering on stuff, but haven't got an idea yeah. and if you were pairing these people these groups of people up maybe you were having workshops where you got all of them in a room and you said okay now we're gonna everyone's gonna divide up into teams and brainstorm potential hack ideas and then you're gonna decide on an idea maybe there's voting and then mm. there's a for the s semester there's a project and it's yeah. a complete side project and it's outside of your your coursework wow man i mean yeah. i think people they're People, they're creative people, they are ambitious people, but they need um, tracks to yes. run on, you know? Like, yeah, you, you see what I'm saying? It's like, once you set this thing up, then then they can, um, once you can set yeah, some kind of system up where there's this environment where this stuff can happen, yeah. then potentially stuff happens. But yeah, there's very, there are few, there are much fewer people who can be self-starters than there are people who could do a lot hmm. if there were the tracks or the platform to yeah. make things happen. I feel you. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm hoping possibly to take another look at that in 2019. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm keen. I'd, I'd love for that to become something that universities um, or even not universities, I think I've, I've become uh, sort of from fees must fall and everything else uh, and being, I mean, now I'm technically a university dropout myself. Uh, I think that there are people that you don't, you don't need to go to university to, uh, to know, to like get into programming or build something great. Yeah. Uh, so opening it up and being more inclusive um, and allowing that, I think that that'll be great. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've got a few projects that I've been meaning to tinker with these holidays. Ah. So that could possibly also be some sort of like base to bring more people on board and help out with. Um, they're also in a, uh, in a UCT context. Okay. Um, which, the, yeah, the ideas nice. are have a UCT context in a sense. Yeah. They can okay. be modeled there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's some great guys doing some work already that need to be like, do a check-in on but yeah it's, it's been great uh yeah and then in terms of in terms of technical sort of leadership i i slowly moved in at at uh, superbless i slowly moved towards from just an ios engineer of course to the tech lead mm. now my days are in meetings saying yeah dealing with people again <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think yeah the um that that tech it seems like it seems like you're always going to be destined to go into those more people focused roles and coordinator and make things happen roles uh because it's like a, it's like a calling kind of thing for you yeah. um and yeah i guess so how are you making that decision why why aren't you saying no to to these opportunities uh i still I actually still enjoy sort of being part of the process. Usually what uh -huh. happens is uh, eventually that is going to come land up on my desk somewhere. And there were some questions that I probably wanted to ask the people in the room, but I wasn't in the room at the time. Got you. And that's where it sort of came from. Uh, so I moved back into that role uh, and I found that it's a balance. Uh, I do have days where I'll make sure that my calendar is clear or I'll work from home. Uh, and then no one really bothers me uh, and I can dig into things and I have sort of my small side projects that I work on, um, work-related. Uh, mm. I'm not slacking off at work. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's it's really fun. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's just keeping that balance between um, tech, sort of the management side of things 
and uh, the leadership and the development. Uh, yeah. The one, the bigger thing that I've sort of started spending more time on and trying to learn and grow more is in the leadership perspective. Uh, reviewing, mentoring, um, dealing with people from different backgrounds with different ways of thinking. It's been really interesting. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm young. I still have a lot to learn. What are you, what are you doing as far as mentorship opportunities? Um, not you mentoring necessarily, but you having mentors and learning from people. Do you do much of that? So most of the time, I uh, when I joined the company, I was very sort of show me how you do things. And I still do that. So a lot of the time uh, when I see a problem uh, and that someone has asked me about that I don't know about, I will go to the the person that knows about it and I'll sit with them. So it's not really structured mentoring, but I'm still leeching off um, as many people as I can. Mm. Uh, and it's something I look for when I hire as well. Uh, I want people that aren't afraid to simply just put up their hand and be like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Could you show me? Could I sit with you? Uh, and that's really important. Um, yeah. And because I think that's, that's how you grow. Uh, I found lots of people that will just keep to themselves. Uh, and I'll ask, why did you speak up sooner? And they said they were, they were worried or they didn't want to yeah. disturb someone. And yeah, we're a team. You need to collaborate. Yeah, I've also found uh, what I've also noticed is that uh, kind of yeah, speak up early and often yeah. is a really good policy. Just uh, yeah, bring things up sooner rather than later if you're struggling with something, uh, especially if this is yeah, this is one that's popped up, which is especially if you you if ever you suspect you're gonna not hit a deadline. Or, yeah, maybe you've planned so, you know, uh, a set of work for the week, let's say. Uh, and halfway through the week, you're thinking to yourself, I'm not going to get through all of this. In the beginning, like when, you, I, when you're still getting a feel for how to manage that as a, as a, a, a younger you know, person in, a, in that kind of role, you, you think to yourself, but there's still a chance I'll get everything yeah. done. <laughs> yeah. So you, then you don't tell anyone. And then you, you, you battle through it. And then inevitably you, you did predict it. Like you don't get that work done. Yeah. And now you have to answer to the fact that you didn't get the work done. But as you start learning, the, the better way to do it is as you suspect you might not be able to get the work done, raise, raise that. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then the people around you can then rally around that. And yeah. everyone can look at it and say, okay, well, okay, you think you're not going to be able to get that done. Uh, and you've got these other two things you're trying to do this week. You know what? Those two things are less important. Yeah. Let's move those out. Just focus on this thing. Yeah. At least it can be a discussion. Yeah. yeah. And with software development, a lot of the time, you usually don't know how long things are going to take. And that's the difficult thing around yeah. the agency vibe. Like any estimation is a thumb suck. It's a guesstimation. And like we find this as well with product roadmaps, saying that something's going to take two weeks and it takes two months, like... You couldn't have foreseen yeah. that. Um, the same with uh, with uh, developers and working on something. Uh, people are going to be uh, rally around you um, and help you out, but usually no one's going to be angry if you if you speak up. No one will ever sort of sort of shout at you or be like, "Well, you know, you can get it done in this time. Why didn't you?" They're going to help you out. Um, and yeah, it's, it's an interesting uh, thing. And in terms of going back to um, speak up early and often, uh, it's something at Superbless that we've been, we keep trying to sort of uh, to stay on. And uh, uh, our CTO, Brad, uh, keeps on the culture. So um, the, the merger was difficult. Uh, pretty much you're bringing on another 15 new developers from oh, one week course, to another the employees would have come in with yeah. it oh yes uh and that was that was a very interesting uh perspective in terms of team culture um and you've got this new sort of melting pot um did the superbalist uh lead uh stay the lead did you, yeah so the culture so what i'm trying to work out here is the culture is 
predominantly going to stay a superbulous culture, culture okay yeah. but you're going to have to adapt you, you're going to adapt and, yeah. yeah you've got like a completely different um, group of people on yeah. board now uh and it's been interesting and it's been it's been fun uh and we're keen on keeping that culture um and yeah it really comes from the top in terms of uh, fostering that and making sure that that engineering culture and uh sort of you keep that mm. uh, the, as far as the, um that uh, speaking up uh, and that kind of side of things how have you guys felt it's possible to foster that and try uh, encourage people to speak up more because as you said it's tough you try to remind people and you try to bring it back every now and then uh i mean i've got some ideas of how i mean w- yeah. what's your experience of that um be relatable so i think a lot of what i found is when people start out they don't feel that they can speak out because it's either they just don't feel comfortable uh they're at a new place new people they don't know how that person will react um yeah that's I found a big one. That, yeah i found it a lot easier uh once people uh know you and they know who you are like they know sort of yeah they know you outside of work in a sense or outside of the office and they feel a whole lot better and if you ask hey some, how's something going during the day they're very they, they become a lot more easier to sort of chat to and relate to uh, yeah, I guess yeah. you know um, you know where you're coming from people know where each other's coming from yeah uh, yeah I think that's the that's the sneaky thing that people think oh yeah our companies are so generous like sending us on team lunches and there's drinks after work that's tactical because if you get to know your colleagues better yeah. you do better work together yeah yeah it's been uh, that's what we found has worked best you know and um afternoon out with the guys uh, and girls uh works really really well to uh foster those sort of relations and makes makes it much easier uh to work uh, in the office and we're hoping to do a lot more of that in mm. 2019 and also yeah growing the team and bringing on uh, new new people um yeah yeah which see. again then sets off that whole thing again where you have to make them feel comfortable and yeah. whatnot yeah I, th- I was also thinking another way is uh through setting an example i think that's the the biggest influence for me uh has been when someone uh, someone very senior has has sat at a at a meeting room table and been completely transparent mm-hmm. and open about some mistake they may have made um, in in the week before uh, and something they're really trying to work on and just being vulnerable. Yeah, I think that as an example then yeah. could encourage other people to do yeah. it. Yeah, it's not. It's yeah, it's difficult. It doesn't necessarily open up the floodgates, and everyone's now open. But no. it's just one thing that could contribute. No, I definitely agree. Uh, we see it a lot, um, and just an example in general. People are very sort of perceptive when they join a company to what the culture is, um, and they right. look at interactions between other people uh, to gauge: can I? Is that per- person approachable or not? Um, and then in terms of just transparency. Uh, I see it a lot as well. Uh, I try to be, instead of cover, if I've made an, a mistake, instead of covering it up or there's a bug out in production, I'd rather be open and transparent with all stakeholders being, uh, yeah. this is what happened. This is the mistake that caused this to happen. We're investigating. There's a post-mortem meeting happening directly after this. It was affected for this many hours and yeah, all the steps to remedies to make sure that this doesn't happen again. And from a, from a team perspective, it shows that everyone uh, has responsibility um, and they, they take responsibility for their actions, which mm. is really important. Uh, and yeah, it just shows that uh, instead of hiding, it was like, speak up. Because when you speak up, everyone is going to sort of just be okay with that. They're going to be like, that's fine. There's nothing. It's over now. There's nothing you could have done. You did the best you could. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, I like what you said there about responsibility. It's it's showing that you take responsibility for it. And then people, I think people have more faith in someone who's willing to take that responsibility and be quite open about it. Yeah. Uh, and then I think it, I think it's a desirable uh, thing to try be as well. So I think if other people see, wow, they made a mistake, the stakes were high, uh, they are now completely owning up to it. 
and being completely transparent about it that I, I see that and I might then aspire to that yeah. and say that's, I would like to be like that as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we hope for. Awesome, man. Yeah. Alistair, it's been amazing having you. I've Thanks. really enjoyed this chat. For those watching or listening, once again, please uh, share those quotes, those favorite insights that you have. Uh, if you're watching, please put them in the comment section below. And if you're listening or that comment section isn't for you, please tweet me at Jamie and you. Alistair, where can people find you online? Um, Twitter. So that's the best place. It's uh, Ali underscore Hen, A-L-I underscore Hen. And Instagram, Alistair.Hendricks. Awesome. It's mostly food. But <laughs> Amazing. Alistair, thanks for being here. Great. Thanks so much, man. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. See you next time.